You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our second reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians, uh, the third chapter, starting at the first verse. Listen again for God's word to you. And so, brothers and sisters, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, not of, are you not of the flesh, behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for your word, for the ways that it speaks to us through the ages, for the ways that it speaks in fresh new ways in each new situation. So open our ears to your word as it has been read today, that we may hear, that we may take it to heart, that we may grow in faith, in discipleship, and in joy. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning we are... um, ordaining installing a couple of deacons and elders into service in the church. And as we do so, I want to share with you some of, the, of my call to the ministry of Warden Sacrament. Just a little bit about that story. Because some of that story is intertwined with this congregation. I grew up in Greenville, and my family attended Fourth Presbyterian Church in Greenville at the edge of downtown since before I was born. We were one of those families who was there any time the church doors were open. So I grew up with the habit of and value of weekly church attendance on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday evenings, and eventually Wednesday or Sunday nights for youth group. I sang in children's choirs on Wednesday afternoons. I played in the handbell choir. I was a representative on the Mission and Witness Committee 
Uh, I was also the youth representative on an associate pastor nominating committee that called uh, the Reverend Todd's, Todd Speed to be an associate pastor there. Someone who would later be an important guide and encourager to me as I discerned a call to ministry. But during that time, I was also a skeptic. I loved science and reason and logic, and I could not reason my way to belief in the existence of God, nor could I scientifically prove God's existence. Still, I saw the church as good, a place that trained and encouraged people to be good human beings, to take care of one another and to take care of those in need. And so even after I was old enough to have a choice, even amid my skepticism, I chose to go each Sunday morning and each Sunday evening and each Wednesday evening. I remember that even after my senior prom, I got up and went to Sunday school because that's what I always did. I nodded off through the entire thing. Um, I stayed for worship. Now, granted, I was sleeping in the senior high room during worship, but I was there at church. And, you know, Samuel heard God calling sleeping in the temple, so I never discount those of you that I see nodding off out there in the congregation. Now back in the early 90s when I was in high school, Fourth Pres and Greenville did youth mission trips together with this congregation. This was back in the days when Wayne Cole was the youth pastor here. So in 1992, I went to Reynosa, Mexico with my home church and with this church Some of you in this room were actually on that trip, yeah, and some of you had children that were on that trip. There was a lot I could say about that 1992 Mexico trip, about being forced out of my comfort zone to, um, among other things, lead a devotional, about a boy I befriended, though I spoke no Spanish, who lived in a single concrete room in a former red light district motel whose family had so little but chose to buy me a bottle of Coke from the local store. But for the sake of brevity, I will simply say that this trip was the first time that I experienced a presence that I could not explain rationally or scientifically. A seed was planted in me that summer after 10th grade You know, I sometimes wonder what happened to that boy in Reynosa, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. The next summer, 4th Pres Greenville and 1st Pres Spartanburg went down to Homestead, Florida to rebuild after Hurricane Andrew. Some people did construction all day, hanging sheetrock. I was in the group that did construction in the morning, putting roofs on new houses, and then When it got too hot to be on the roof, we came back to the church that was our home base and we led a vacation Bible school program for the local kids. We had brought the VBS materials that First Pres Spartanburg had used earlier in the summer and a few tubs of craft supplies, but we were not ready for what we encountered. Day one, we stuck to the curriculum. 
but realized that most of these kids didn't have any foundation in Christianity. They had heard of Jesus, but they didn't know anything about him. The Bible seemed completely unapproachable to them, as if it, even in translation, the Bible was written in a completely foreign language. Day one of vacation Bible school ended in frustration because nothing was working that we had planned to work to do with these kids. That night, the VBS team met after dinner, and we planned how to adapt the curriculum to work in some basic Bible skills and some foundational understandings of the Christian faith. By day three, we had completely abandoned the VBS curriculum we, we had brought and kept focusing on some of those basics about who Jesus is, who God is, and who we are before God. Now, I had grown up in the church. I knew people of other faiths from school, but some of them knew Christianity better than I did. Exposure to those who were not being brought up in the church was a new experience for me, as was teaching the faith, a faith that I still wasn't completely sure about, but found some joy in sharing it with others. And so this son of two public school teachers came to understand some of the joy of teaching. The seed in me that was planted in Mexico was being watered by others down in Homestead, Florida. Incidentally, that trip was the first time that I remember hearing our passage from 1 Corinthians for today. By the end of that week, it seemed like we had barely made any progress with those kids in the VBS program but Wayne reminded us that we planted the seeds in those children that others would water and nurture into maturity. Remember how I said that I was on a search committee for an associate pastor? Well, this particular youth mission trip to Homestead, Florida, was Todd Speed's first activity with the church, and even, it was even before his official start date. And then... In the months and the years after that, he would help me process and explore the sense of call that began in those two trips. Further watering that seed that had been planted in me in Mexico, or maybe it had actually been planted in me in all those years of Sunday school and worship growing up. Maybe the seed of the calling to educational ministry was planted as I played with remote control cars in the halls of my mom's school as she got her room ready each year. Maybe that seed was watered by youth Sunday school teachers like Lynn Mitchell and Grace Kisner, who modeled love and acceptance even when we hid all the Sunday school materials from them, <laughs> and who knew that the curriculum, as important as it was, was not as important as talking to us about our lives. Even though we didn't always get around to a whole lot of that curriculum, they modeled Christian discipleship for us in ways, in the ways that they interacted with us every Sunday. And in many ways, taught us more than that curriculum book ever could have about what it means to love and to welcome and to accept and care about one another. 
There were countless other moments along the way that shaped my sense of calling, but my point in sharing this much is that I've experienced firsthand some of what Paul describes in those opening verses of 1 Corinthians 3. I have experienced people who um, bore with that know-it-all sophomore in high school who thought he was too smart to believe in God and nurtured me with mission and service opportunities until I was ready to explore the deeper and more mysterious aspects of faith. Whose names and what events would be on your list of those who watered and nurtured the seeds of your faith in big and in small ways? Who are those people? What are those events? Think about them for a moment. Maybe it was a relative, a Sunday school teacher or a friend. Maybe it was a major event in your life or the way that a series of small events led you in a certain direction and gave you the confidence to go that direction when you otherwise would have had none. Think for a moment about those people and those events and give thanks that God placed them in your lives at just the right moment. Consider how you might pay those gifts forward in big and in small ways to others. And remember, we're all on the same team. Apparently, there was some division in Corinth between those who claimed allegiance to the teachings of Apollos and those who claimed allegiance to the teachings of Paul But just as Todd and Lynn and Grace and Carol and Wayne and so many others all pointed me beyond themselves to the same Christ, so too Paul saw continuity between his ministry and the ministry of Apollos and urged the Corinthians to claim allegiance not to Paul, not to Apollos, not to the Presbyterians or the Catholics or the Methodists or the Lutherans or the Baptists or the non-denominationals, but to the one Lord to whom they all point and call us to follow and serve. So what can we say about these eight little verses from 1 Corinthians? First is the reminder that while we harbor jealousy and dissension with other Christians, we are still like infants in the faith, failing to grasp the most basic calling of the gospel that when put into perspective, we are all just, of a, just as much in need of God's grace as anyone else that we might encounter. And yet God bears with us even in our infantile jealousy and quarreling among ourselves, nourishing us with milk until we are ready for more solid food of faith and discipleship. Second is the reminder that we may never know the difference we may make in other people's lives. You teachers out there probably know this better than any of us. You have a student for a year. You make what progress you can make during that time, and then you trust that student to the next teacher, and the next teacher, and the next teacher, and the next teacher all who will water the seeds you have planted in that student until they grow into the person that they will be. 
So it is with all of our interactions with others as disciples of Jesus. We never know what impact a word or an action might have. We never know how the words and actions of others will build upon it later. I'll never know what happened to that kid in Mexico. I'll never know what happened to those kids in the VBS in Homestead, Florida. But I know that our group was not the last one to be in either one of those places, and I trust that God continued to send people into their lives to nurture the seeds that we planted, just as God nurtured the seeds that those children planted in me. There's grace in that, I think, that we don't have to do it all that we can do our small part and let the next person take it from there. So do your part. Even if it is small, do your part. Finally, there's also grace in the knowledge that it is always God that gives the growth. So we should be humble and not too proud of our accomplishments but we should also extend ourselves a lot of grace when things don't go as we had hoped for. I imagine most of us have loved ones who have followed paths that we would have preferred that they not follow. Those who have made poor choices in our estimation despite our best efforts to guide them Take peace in the grace that it is not completely up to you. We've all known people who've had every opportunity and advantage in life and yet have floundered. And we've also all known others who have faced seemingly unsurmountable problems and yet they have flourished beyond anyone's imagining. So we can take heart and trust that those who we have been seemingly unable to reach may yet find growth in another that God places in their lives. We can find peace that their journey is in God's hands just as it is ours, just as they have always been. So let us put away our jealousy and our quarreling. Let us do our part however small And let us trust in others and in God for the rest. Because God is the one who has the power to to accomplish far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen.